Mr. Bernard King, thank you so much for coming on to the Nikkei show. My name is Mo, this is Osama. And um, for all the listeners with us, we have four-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, and Hall of Famer Bernard King, um, and arguably the greatest Knicks scorer of all time. So it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. We're well, super honored. Glad so to be here. Pleasure to meet the two of you. So like you mentioned right before we were talking, um, or right before we started recording, uh, you're, you're, as you said, you're just a kid from Brooklyn. So have you visited Brooklyn recently, uh, at least last few months or so? Well, Brooklyn is always going to be home. I reside in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, but I do get back to New York quite often. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen the uh, changes over the last number of years in, in Brooklyn, uh, specifically downtown Brooklyn, where I grew up at. Uh, Long Island University is not too far from uh, the Barclays Center. So it's, uh, I'm glad to see that it's there and Brooklyn is really thriving. Yeah. We actually, all three of us went to school near near there. I went to NYU, what's known now as NYU Tandon, which is Polytechnic University. Sure. Uh, so right there, and these guys went to... So yeah, myself and Teddy actually went to high school at Brooklyn Tech. Oh, um, so right by Fort Greene. That was one of my choices uh, when <laughs> I came out of junior high school was Brooklyn Tech. Oh, awesome. But I wanted to get out of the area and experience someplace else uh, that was different uh, that would help my development. Got it. Uh, but Brooklyn Tech was an excellent school. And and I have an honorary doctorate from LIU, which is not too far from oh, there. Not at all. Actually, actually, actually what a cap and gown. Marched across <laughs> the stage. That's awesome. amazing. That's actually where we used to hop on the train every single day after school. So that's is that awesome. right? Yeah. Um, so speaking of Fort Greene and speaking of that area, we, like I mentioned, we went to school there for four years and we saw it change a little bit over the years. Um, in your years, both playing and just outside of your playing career, how have you seen Brooklyn or New York City itself evolve over those years? Well, you know, it's far more diversified now than the period of uh, time that I grew up uh, in Brooklyn. Uh, I attended Fort Hamilton High School in, uh, in 1974. I was bused out to Fort Hamilton High School because it was the era of uh, integration. And so Brooklyn as a whole uh, has become my more diverse, which I, I think uh, affords everyone who uh, resides here a, a more positive cultural experience. Uh, to interact with different individuals from, from different cultures. And uh, you've seen that throughout New York uh, during that period of time, and it just continues to grow. Everyone all over the world uh, knows, knows about Brooklyn. Yeah. So yeah, we've seen like a lot of change, like as you mentioned over the past uh, few years, especially culturally, both Brooklyn, Queens, all around the city, all together. But speaking of changing and diversity and stuff, I want to bring it back a little bit to your playing career. One of the most astounding things in your career was your ability to change your game as the years went past and as you dealt with certain issues with your uh, injuries and such, you were able to change your career from such a great turnaround jump shooter to someone who was able to be a better shooter, more athletic, slashing to the rim. One of the questions I had was, um, for players who are like you in today's NBA, um, what can they learn from you in terms of changing their game to adapt to today's NBA or adapt to any personal issues that they've experienced? Well, you know, I was always a student of the game, so I was a very analytical player. I didn't perceive myself to be a creative player, so I thought the game. And I won't get too that technical on you. <laughs> uh, but in terms of the ability to adjust and adapt to different offensive systems, uh, that's what you have to have the ability to do if you really want to excel within the NBA. So I was in all-pro in a, a set offense, I was an all-pro in a passing game, and I was an all-pro in a transition game. And um, I, I think that adaptability uh, allowed me to play at a very elite level. Um, but I had uh, a different approach to, to the game that you won't hear from any other player you ever talked to on this planet Earth. 
<laughs> On the left-hand side of the floor, there's only five ways you can be defended by a single defender. They can force you right, some guys have a weak right hand, they can force you left, some guys have a weak left hand. They can give you the jump shot, because your jump shot is weak. They can play you tight, you don't know how to break down the defense. They can overplay you, because you don't know how to get open. Those are only five different ways you can be defended from the left wing or the right wing. So I, as a scorer, all I had to do was develop five kind of moves to the five different ways you will defend me. Now on the left-hand side of the floor, I had nine spots I would shoot from. As I said, I won't get too technical. <laughs> if you buy my book, you'll read it in the back of the book. Oh, on the right-hand side of the floor, I had oh, nine spots. What do you, what do you oh, know? game face. What you do you know? Face. <laughs> you have my memoir. So nine spots on the left, nine spots on the right, and four spots from the front of the room to the top of the key. If you can count how many spots does that constitute? Nine, nine, and four. Uh, 22. 22 spots. So I had 22 spots within the half-court system of where I'm going to take my shot. And again, you can only be defended five different ways. And so I'm going to take my shot at one of those nine spots on the left-hand side of the floor. If I'm on the left or if I'm on the right, it's replicated, and that's where I'm going to take my shot. So when I looked at the floor, you see the far line, you see the baseline, you see the sideline, and you see half court. What I see is a grid. Wow. So someone, to someone who's very amateur to playing the sport of basketball and watching it all their lives, we never realize how technically and how detailed people look at the game. You will never hear this from anyone else yeah, on this planet. Exactly. What I this just is, explained to you. Yeah. This I mean, is surreal for our case taking a school. So this is crazy. By by doing that, it allowed me to play at a very consistent level. I never played up nor down. And then the big games I would raise my game to another level. And uh, that's why during the course of my career I shot over fifty two percent field goal percentage for my entire career. I, I gotta ask you. So, um, at least in the last 10 to 15 years, a lot of people recognize the flu game as Dirk Nowitzki's game against the Miami Heat. Prior to that was Jordan's flu game uh, in the 90s, but there is the one flu game that you had, Mr. King, uh, against the Detroit Pistons in a very pivotal game in the playoffs. Would you like to tell us about what goes through your mind when Isaiah Thomas is scoring all well, those points in the last minute? Well, well, thank you for acknowledging that, but however, I have to take you back just a little bit. <laughs> uh, during that series against the Detroit Pistons, Pistons that you, you mentioned, they were favored to win the series in the playoffs. Right. Uh, I was playing with two dislocated fingers, yeah, uh, fingers taped together, and a cast on the middle finger of each hand. Um, and uh, that was very painful, it was very difficult. If it was not the playoffs, I would, have, would not have been playing. Um, so consequently, uh, I had to raise my intensity level to a higher level to withstand the pain that I, that I felt. And then the fifth game that you spoke of, uh, I had the flu during that game, and um, I didn't go. I didn't intend to shoot around that morning. Yep. Uh, stayed in my room as the team went over for for shoot around practice. And uh, but I felt I couldn't let my teammates down. And uh, you know, I always say this: my heart's from Brooklyn. So I'm not going to sit this out. <laughs> and I have 42 points a game for five straight games uh, in the playoffs against the Pistons, which was an NBA record, and we beat them in overtime. However, he spoke of Isaiah Thomas, and that game, he was just phenomenal. Yeah. I can't imagine uh, how you score 16 points in 90 seconds. If you went out to the playoff <laughs> playgrounds, either of you, including myself, there's no way we would score 16 points against defense in 90 seconds, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to happen. So that was amazing what, what what he did during that series. So when he when he when he's scoring all those points, it must feel a little demoralizing. No. So 
No. So what, what what's going through your head? It in just the means that I have to come back and match it. Right. You know, I'm the leader of my team. I know I'm going to get the ball. I have to come back and match it. That's simple. There's no pressure in that. Uh, it's not demoralizing. If you ever get demoralized, then you're not going to perform well. Right. And that's really you've already given in. Yeah. Uh, you've given them the advantage. Uh, I tell you what, there was one play in that game in overtime. Uh, we're in the huddle. And Hubie Brown, remember, I'm averaging 42 points, right? And I won't take, this won't be long, don't worry, so you look at your watch. <laughs> 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 we're, we're very little at No, no, no I'm just not trying to find out. We want to keep it as long as we can. No, um, at any rate, we're in the huddle, and Hubie Brown is executing a play for someone else. Did I say I was averaging 42 points again? Yeah. Yes. The game's on the line? Now, Wait, why would, would you me? execute a play for someone else other than me? Now, as a young player, you're taught you don't question the coach. And I had that same attitude as a professional. You never question the coach. Whatever the coach decides to do is what you implement as a player. But in that situation, with the season on the line, the game on the line, I, I was not in agreement with what he was doing. And so, for the first time in my professional life, um, I said, do I have the right to take the ball myself in that hole? He didn't respond, and I said it louder. Hubie, do I have the right to take the ball myself? And finally, finally he looked up and he said, yeah. <laughs> and I'm telling him, well, I'm breaking your play. So the ball's inbounded uh, by Billy, play was for Billy Cartwright, the ball's inbounded, and I waved Billy Cartwright out, I received the ball, and never forget it to this day. I see it right now. You, Earl Curitan, you're, you're guarding me. And Earl Curitan of the Pistons said, come on and bring it. Can you imagine? Wow. In that pressure-filled situation, he yeah. said, come on and bring it. I dribbled twice to my right, put the ball between my legs on the left just to throw him off, and drove left, two dribbles, never more than two dribbles when I took a shot, and faded, net, we went. Wow. I mean, that kind of mentality, that kind of grit and strength, like, is it something that you feel has grown with your game, or have you just always had this growing up? Uh, once I developed my skills as a young player, um, I always had that. I, what I always really had was an intensity, the, the will to win. Uh, I didn't like losing. And so I always had that, and then my talent caught up with my intensity. And uh, in high school, I played in... All-American tournaments. I was not an All-American in high school, but we played in five All-Star games against the All-Americans, New York City All-Stars against the All-Americans. And uh, in each tournament, I, I won MVP. That's when I knew I was good. <laughs> and then I go on to the University of Tennessee, and at uh, 17 years old, my first game was score 42. Wow, that's amazing. I can't even score 42 in my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't want to, you know, I, I built my game in many different ways. Um, I played a great deal in, in the low post and the low block. I was a great win, wing player and a great open floor transition player. But in the low post, you're going up against bigger guys. Some guys are 6'10", 6'9", even 7'7", seven seven in the case of a new bowl. And so what I used to do, uh, as a young player and, and continuing to my professional career, I would practice shooting with my eyes closed. If you can make baskets with your eyes closed and you're going up against a 6'10 Kevin McHale in Boston Celtics where you don't see the rim, it doesn't matter. You know where it's at. Just you practice with your eyes closed. Wow. 
It's just I I could sit here for hours and just listen to you talk. <laughs> I, I've watched I've watched all your interviews with different with different people and I just, I always learn something new. From you, it's just so. different in person. Like you yeah. get to meet the person, feel the charisma. You know, it's not just like we see why now you've been so successful over those years. Well, I used to practice falling that. When I, I would practice shooting the ball, releasing it, and falling to the floor. Because wow. in the game, you're going to get knocked off balance. Mm -hmm. You're going to fall down, right? So if you practice that, so when you're being hit and you're falling, you still make the shot. Wow. I left nothing to chance. <laughs> I, I'm sure many of today's NBA players have learned so much from you. Oh, yeah. um, so I see, I see Jen's head popping in and out. So I just want to make sure that I'm not taking too much of your time. So we do have some rapid fire questions that we'd like to ask you. Um, outside of the NBA, so uh, you can start us off. So, Mr. King, uh, just want to ask you a couple questions here, um, very unrelated to basketball, but still fun nonetheless. And I'd like you to try to answer within three seconds, and maybe we can get this one. Maybe this is something you might fail. Who knows? Um, so, first question: In three words, how would you describe your hot girl summer? Hot girl summer. Yeah. <laughs> I've been married 22 years, so I don't have a hot girl summer. <laughs> Well, just to clarify uh, for everybody, Hot Girl Summer is like, you know, like, it started from a song, but it's just more no, like... I know it's a song, I'm familiar with the song, but awesome. I've been married again 22 years, so I don't have a Hot Girl Summer. Okay, that's a loyal <laughs> man right there. Award winner. Um, so, let's say you're walking into a Game 7 of an NBA Finals game. What music are you listening to to really pump yourself up? Dizzy Gillespie. The great jazz man. Trumpeter, if you're not familiar with him. And uh, he was a friend of mine, and when I came back from my injury, after two years of, of being out of the game, but rehabbing uh, to come back from an injury no player had ever come back from. Right. Uh, rehab six days a week, five, six days a week for two straight years. And my game that I returned against the Milwaukee Bucks after two years, I'm, I'm riding to the arena, and the night before, I called Dizzy Gillespie and I said, hey, I'm, you probably heard him coming back. I'd like you back. So Dizzy Gillespie. Wow, great answer. Cool. Uh, next question. If you were in the Avengers, what would your the Avengers? The Avengers. Yes, the Avengers. Mm -hmm. Marvel fan? Not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally fine. But what would your superpower be? My superpower? Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you that. I, I couldn't tell you that. Okay, that's totally fine. And uh, last question that we have for you. We are a Nick, our company name or brand name is Nickish. So, what Nickish, is, why Nickish? That's exactly what our, that's kind of what our question <laughs> is to you. So, yeah. what, is, what does Nickish mean to you? Once a Nick, always a Nick. Yes. I came up with that slogan. I love it. Once a Nick, always a yes. Nick. I used to tag all the emails that I sent out to the Nicks. Once a Nick, always a Nick. Oh, wow. I, okay. I did not know you. Yes. You're the originator of that. Yes, I am. And yet, everybody <laughs> on social media, everybody's always saying that. So. I keep I keep all my emails. I got ninety thousand of them, <laughs> so I can pull that up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so Mr. Mr. Bernard King, thank you so much. It's such a, an honor to be. Well, thank you. you. know, Appreciate having you on our show, you having you with us. It's, thank we've you. learned so much from you in just 10, 15 minutes. Well, and I know our listeners and followers are going to have an amazing time listening to this episode. Well. Look out for my motion picture. I signed a motion picture deal a month ago. Oh, oh we're looking forward to it.